Ceiling, the sports podcast you are listening to now. Griffin, how are you today? I'm doing great, Chris. It's late at night. I'm pretty tired. Mm. We, we don't usually <laughs> record this late. But uh, we had to do what we had to do because mm-hmm. we had to fit in a third schedule to our when, normal recording. When a star wants to show up, you move everything around to make it work. And that's exactly what we did. You know him from the excellent Zoopcast. You know him from this podcast quite recently. Adam Copeland returns to HFLC. How are you today, Adam? I'm doing very well. Thank you guys so much for having me back on. I guess my my audition in the first <laughs> the first appearance was all right then. If I'm if I'm already back, yeah, it was determined that you are ready to meet Chris. So uh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. a big <laughs> excellent. <laughs> it's like taking uh, your significant other home to meet the parents is when Griffin <laughs> exactly. includes yeah. his guests. It's a big, it's a big step. When yeah. both hosts <laughs> speak with you. <laughs> uh, just... Apologies to Kyle Brickman, who, of course, has been <laughs> banned from the podcast. That's not we, true. We banned Kyle from the podcast? No. Come on. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm done to have Kyle back. <laughs> we'll get Kyle back for sure. Anyways, that's not what matters right now. What matters is that Adam is here. Yes. Um, and there's a lot going on in the NHL, which happens to be Adam's specialty. So that's where we will uh, focus our efforts this week uh griffin the nhl draft did happen just as we predicted it would (laughs) um (laughs) bold we went on a limb there that's you know we don't hedge here we said it would happen and lo and behold despite a lack of internet on the second day you know what let's talk about that were either of you guys affected by the uh outage i i was not i'm on i'm with bell oh so i escaped mm. but i i had many friends who had to run to a tim hortons or a starbucks to to try to communicate via wi-fi right. which was frustrating i on the other hand was completely and totally shut off from the entire world my house is <laughs> wi-fi my data my tv my home phone everything <laughs> is rogers i woke up in a cave i didn't know what to do i walked over me and my sister uh, walked over to our aunt and uncle's house who live around the corner tried to get on their wi-fi it wasn't working either we then determined it was not just our house like we had no idea we couldn't google it we couldn't do anything right wow then eventually found out that uh it was like the whole country which was good because we were worried about telling our works like oh can't get a signal but like it's only our house it's the friday it's a friday in july sorry because no one would have believed that. Chris, would you have believed that? I, well, I know you, so probably not. Wow. But, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm i sure that Sportsnet appreciates your Rogers loyalty. Um, I Absolutely. was without home internet, and I was also supposed to be working. And so I texted my boss and was like, hey, my internet's down. Don't know what's going on. And then I just Googled, like, internet outages. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, Seems to be a bit of a situation here. So I spent my workday uh, lying in my bed and staring at my computer screen because I had like, I had Discord open and it was doing like a spinning wheel, like trying to connect. And so every so often I would just look up and be like, yep, still spinning away. Uh, so that was a, not an entirely unenjoyable way to spend my workday, I will say. Um, but back to the matter at hand. The NHL draft did happen. Of course, the big, uh, you know, we'll get to how the Ottawa Senators fared momentarily, but the big surprise was Shane Wright falling to number four, going to the Seattle Kraken, allegedly 
committing a death stare. Griffin, I understand you have some thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, let's go Shane Wright. Absolutely come in with a chip on your shoulder. You, like, I I get that the Habs, I mean, the other guy, Slav, Slav, Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky, Adam, do you have a Slavkovsky. correct? Slavkovsky, yeah, there we yeah. go. He seems like a great prospect, uh, but I love if a guy thinks that he's the best player in the draft and uh, should go number one, and then typical, I... Chris, I don't know why I ever click on the comments of any comment oh. section ever. It's terrible. You know what's the worst <laughs> comment section is YouTube on any music video because they're all exactly the same. It's all just like, oh, yeah. who's listening to this classic in <laughs> July 2022? And then I go, I am. And I click on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in general, comment section, we're uh, roasting Shane Wright for wow. for having the gall to believe in himself and saying this is why he fell because he was cocky. Uh, no, I like it. Go Shane Wright. And I think it's perfect for the NHL to have this great player f- dropping to fourth in Seattle and hopefully he can start playing there right away and be a draw there. So much so that I think it might have been rigged. Great, absolutely. Uh, Adam, I imagine you weren't necessarily thinking even before the Senators traded their pick that you, you guys would be in the Shane Wright area. Um, but do you have any thoughts on Shane Wright? Do you think he is cocky as the... Uh, the wise commenters claim. No, I do not think he is cocky. I think he is confident, and I think that is great. I think that Shane Wright should have gone first overall. I do believe that. I believe that Shane Wright and Slavkovsky, Yuri Slavkovsky, are very different players. And clearly, well, you know, I'm not I'm not a scout. I'm not going to act like I'm a scout. But from what the scouts appear to be saying, um, Yuri Slavkovsky has the potential to be a very, very big mean power forward who can bully through your whole team and be great but he also has the potential to not be that if it doesn't work out and the thing with Shane Wright is well it's very fitting that this podcast is called high floor low ceiling because (laughs) that's exactly what Slavkovsky is but the uh or excuse me I should say that's exactly what Shane Wright is yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) um because he's going to play in the NHL no question about it um but the knock is that he probably won't be a game-breaking first-line player that people expect to pick at first overall. So in a way, I applaud the Habs for taking the risk at picking this guy who might be incredible, but also might not be. And at the same time, if you're Seattle, you're like, man, <laughs> that's great. That's that's easy. You just have to sit there and do nothing. And then there's Shane Wright in your lap. Just fantastic for them. Yeah, I think that Seattle really is, like, they were in, like, the very unique position to really want that kind of player because they are a new franchise and because they have no foundation. Um, Griffin, we'll see if you agree or not. What it reminded me of was almost um, Gabriel Landeskog going to the Avalanche when they were, like, pretty much in the toilet. And then that being, like, you can make him the captain early. Landis Cog was like one of the youngest captains of all time when he was the captain. I imagine that Shane Wright will be made the captain. You know, maybe that's a bit presumptuous, but pretty soon. I yeah, I think I you're bet. on the right track. And, you know, doesn't necessarily have a standout elite skill. Probably won't be the best player if you're a team that's like contending for a Stanley Cup, but doesn't really have any weaknesses either and sort of provides that foundation and stability um, and to the point about him being cocky, I find Shane Wright incredibly boring, personally, <laughs> which I think is good for Seattle, because it's like, they need the, the like, the hockey guy who, like, gives really canned answers, 
and will probably never like get into trouble off the ice or anything like that. Like I feel like you w- just want like the most boring guy possible almost. And so I feel like they were like uniquely equipped to to capitalize on what he brought. Yeah, I agree with that, and I like the Landeskog comparison a lot, just because we just saw in the Stanley Cup Finals how Jared Bednar basically used Gabriel Landeskog to solve any problem that he had in his forward lines, like, plug him in there, plug him in there. I do think that that could be Shane Wright's future, and I think it's just interesting how Shane Wright, when he was 15 years old, was granted exceptional player status into the uh, Ontario Hockey League and was allowed to join the league a year early, and I think that that like just myself include to an extent just blinds a lot of people to actually analyzing the player when they see that like they see exceptional player status and they're like all right Connor mcdavid here we go but it's like as adam pointed out that's not really his play style but he is still an exceptional player and i think he will be in the nhl yeah and just to chime in here speaking of exceptional status uh another reason not to be too caught up on exceptional status is there was a player a number of years back named sean day I don't know if either of you are familiar with Sean Day. Um, Only in terms of looking at the list of players that have received <laughs> exceptional status. <laughs> well, Sean Day indeed did receive exceptional status uh, in the OHL. He was drafted, I want to say, by the Rangers, possibly. And he did not turn out to be a very exceptional player um, because I don't think he's in the league anymore. Or I don't even think he was in the league ever. Um, so exceptional status is when you are granted it, that's great. For a 15-year-old, that's awesome. You're on the right track. But that does not mean you are a surefire, shoe-in, generational talent in the NHL. Um, So definitely take it with a grain of salt, for sure. Yeah, I think that the exceptional status and just the way that Shane Ray was sort of talked about before the draft, it could kind of like work for you and against you because like he was so highly touted for so long he was considered like a presumptive number one pick for so long and then that can sort of lead to over analysis where people are sort of like finding holes in your game because they've seen a lot of you whereas they maybe hadn't seen as much uh from other players especially overseas players but at the same time i feel like having that sort of pedigree also prepares you for the league to some extent so i think it'll be interesting to see how he pans out but far more interesting than the number four pick is the number seven pick, as we well know, uh, yes. which the Ottawa Senators moved away along with a couple of other picks for Alex DeBrincat. This was like the the real headliner uh, move of the off season so far. Adam, what are your thoughts on this? I assume you've already uh, exp- expounded on them at length on the Zoopcast, but can you give us the uh, the quick react here? Uh, it's exciting. It's cool and it's exciting because the thing about the Sens and Pierre Dorian is he is not well up until about four days ago is he was not very well liked (laughs) by the Sens because of past moves and very bad draft decisions and all of that and so you know people kind of who aren't on Sens Twitter may not understand that the the vibes that day before that trade was made were like apocalyptic like they had just (laughs) like the the report came out that they were going to trade like Matt Murray and the seventh overall pick to, like, Buffalo for, like, a late first. And everyone's like, are you kidding me? Like, that's brutal. Like, that is, like, this is what our GM is doing on draft day. Like, that's awful. And then complete 180, like, two hours later, he's like, actually, I'm going to use the seventh overall pick and, like, nothing else, pretty much, to get a 40-goal scorer 
who would be just perfect to play with Tim Stutzla and, you know, maybe throw Batherson or, or Kachuk on there. And, like, what a line. Like, that is just unreal. And the Sens have needed this. You know, they said going into the offseason, they were like, we need a top six forward. We need a top 4D. And I'd say this qualifies as a pretty good top six forward. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are bringing up the point that, oh, you know, Debrinkit is not going to have Patrick Kane to set him up. I'm like, yeah, okay, but he's going to have Tim Stutzel to set him up, and he's pretty good. He's no Patrick Kane yet, but he's pretty good too. So, you know, a lot of people are are calling this one of the biggest trades in Sens franchise history, and I know people are, you know, might think that's overreacting, but I genuinely do believe that is true um, at the current state of the team and where they are in hopes of one day competing <laughs> for, a, for you know, the playoffs in the Stanley Cup. I think this is a really, really important move for the Sens. Yeah, I think it was a coup for the Senators, like a player of Dabrinkit's calendar, caliber, not calendar. I don't know what he's got on his calendar. I would assume lots of training. Free and agency ready. pretty soon. Yeah, well, oh, well <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll who wouldn't want to stay in Ottawa? <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, sure. No, but it, it's not imminent, like the free agency, no. which is why it's weird that Chicago felt the need to do this at all. But it is a great move for the Senators, I think. Uh, he's so young. He's so good. And they really didn't have to give up that much for him. A seventh overall pick in a weak draft. Um, it's really a very reasonable price to pay for a player of that caliber. So I think that this is the type of move where a couple of years from now you look back and you think, oh, that's that's one of the places where this all started. If the Senators do continue to grow and blossom into a really good team mm-hmm. out east there. And to further that point, a lot of Blackhawks fans were not happy. <laughs> there no, was a, deservedly. There was a lot of, yeah, a lot of public outrage um, about this trade. Because, I mean, when you look at it in terms of you traded a 40-goal scorer for Kevin Korchinski, who is, he's a fine prospect. He's a defenseman who is going to probably play in the NHL for the Blackhawks, and that's great. And a second-round pick in a weak draft, and then a third-round pick, like, two years from now. That's not a very... It's not a very, you know, spectacular return <laughs> for Alex Dabrinkit if, if you're the Blackhawks. So a lot of people were questioning Kyle Davidson's methods and his his goal. But I think after recent, you know, <laughs> moves that the Blackhawks have made, they just let, you know, Dylan Strom go without a qualifying offer. I think they're just going to tank for Connor Bedard. <laughs> I think it's pretty That's obvious. That's what it's I, looking like, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, good for them. Like, might as well go for it. He's going to be really good. <laughs> so might as well be forefrontal about it uh, if you're the Blackhawks. Why not? Yeah, and I think most people do agree that it was a really strong trade for the Senators in a vacuum. The question that I've sort of seen is people seem to sort of disagree uh, about where the Senators are at in terms of their sort of like developmental timeline, in terms of rebuilding their roster, getting back to the playoffs, that kind of thing. I was wondering what your thoughts were, Adam, about what that looks like for the Senators. Are they going to be pushing for a playoff spot next year, or is it more they're looking a few years down the road with this move? Um, I think that Senators management believes they can make the playoffs this year. And I think that's good because it's about time because they haven't been in the playoffs in like five years. So we want to get there. But when you look at it from, you know, like where are they like actually realistically? Well, they finished seventh last last year. That's not very good. Um, and so you think, well, okay, well, how are you going to improve? Well, you know, in your division, let's say you have to, I mean, obviously there's the wild card and, and everything, but let's just assume you need to be top four in the division to make the playoffs. Who are they better than? I'd say they're, they're better than Montreal. I think everyone's better than Montreal. I think they're better than Montreal. I think they are better than Buffalo. And I think they're better than Detroit. 
And then at that point, it becomes out of the top four teams there of Toronto, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Boston. Like, who are you? Who are you beating? That's what it's going to come down to. Is you're going to need to probably beat out one of those teams, unless the Metro just sucks and you get the last wild card. But realistically, you're probably going to need to beat out one of those teams, which will most likely be Boston for the last playoff spot. And so you can then go and. If you really want to, you could do the experiment. You could compare the Sens lineup to the Bruins lineup and really see. Um, but it's, you know, I, I feel like I've talked about this on the Zoobcast a lot. I might have talked about this with Griffin the last time I was on. But hockey is very stupid. And hockey is very random. And the good teams rarely win. <laughs> and the, the bad teams sometimes can just get in and you never know what happens. So, um, I'm just honestly, like, I could, you know, sit here and explain, you know, theoretically what I think the Sens playoff chances are but I really don't know and honestly for the first time I'm very excited to watch the Sens and that's something that the you know Sens fans haven't really had (laughs) in like five or six years so I think we're all relishing the fact that even if we don't you know maybe we won't make the playoffs this year who cares at least you're excited genuinely excited to watch your team and they're absolutely absolutely moving in the right direction yeah it almost makes me think of the Raptors last year where people weren't really sure how good they could actually be but people were just like excited about the upward trajectory and it feels like that's what the senators are on right now um very very recently right before we started recording uh this was something that was alluded to on the zoomcast this is kind of like a sequel to the zoomcast uh <laughs> yeah please go big... back into the zoomcast and tell people to come listen to this you gotta exactly. come track yeah. it down well l- listen to the zoomcast first and then come back and listen to this but mm-hmm. matt murray goaltender of some repute is <laughs> headed to Toronto along with a couple of draft picks for future considerations, which Adam, as you uh, very eloquently said, is basically nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'll turn to you, Griffin, for the uh, the Toronto perspective for this move. What do you think about uh, the Leafs acquiring Matt Murray to ostensibly be, if not their starting goaltender, then a starting goaltender for them? Presumably. I, th- I mean, my thoughts is that it's a lot of money, Chris. They did not get Ottawa to retain 50%. Somehow, Ottawa is only retaining 25% of Matt Murray's big contract. Uh, so I think it's going to be over $4 million of cap hit for the Leafs. And, I mean, I know that they got a couple draft picks as well, but I feel like if you were going to take a chance on Matt Murray, that 50% was a must-have. So that is tough. And, like, it's a downgrade I think over Jack Campbell who was inconsistent to be fair just as Matt Murray is but uh, I think at his peak Campbell was better so I think the Leafs who have basically taken a step back in the goaltending department going into next season and it's not like goaltending was a huge problem for them but I mean it it was when they when Campbell was hurt but it definitely wasn't a huge strength either. I don't think it was a position where they could afford to take a lot of steps back. So it's not... I'm a, I'm a Dubas guy, but I, I don't really get this one. I don't see what... Why? I, I just don't get why. When there were there's Darcy Kemper out there, Marc-Andre Fleury was out there for $3.5 Marc-Andre Fleury is going to make less money against the, against the cap than Matt Murray is on the Leafs. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um... When especially when you consider the moves that they made to get rid of Peter Morazic, and you know presumably this means that Jack Campbell will not be a Maple Leaf, it does seem like a bit of missed opportunity. Uh, Adam, they did send the two draft picks out alongside that. Was this like sort of 
what you were hoping for in terms of dumping Matt Murray, especially with only retaining that, that pretty minimal level of salary? Yeah, well, for the Senators, this was all about damage control, like straight up. Like this was, you made a, a very ill-advised trade and signed a poor contract for this goalie. And now you've realized that you've made a mistake and you have to get rid of it and cut your losses a little bit. And I think Sens fans were preparing to give up a lot more than this to dump Matt Murray. Um, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I was just just before we started recording, I was just scrolling through Twitter and trying to gauge people's reactions. And, and I mean, people are very happy in Ottawa. <laughs> like, this was like a, a miracle almost that this is all they had to give up. Um, but, I mean, the, the thing about this from the Leafs' perspective is... Matt Murray is really like you you're getting one of two Matt Murrays and you don't really know which one it is because this past season he was actually quite good. He played, you know, in 20 games that he played, uh he had a goals saved above expected of 3.2, which is positive. So he saved more than he should have been letting in. Um so at the end of the day that is what you want from a goalie. That being said, you know, <laughs> in 2020-2021 he let in 15 more goals than he was supposed to which is bad (laughs) and uh, you know the big concern with Matt Murray is other than his play is his health and he was injured for a the vast majority of his time in Ottawa which was very frustrating because every time that it seemed like he was going to get it going and he was on a bit of a roll it was just a fluke injury or or a stupid illness or whatever and then he's out and then it's just everyone's frustrated and everyone's upset Um, so I do believe that if Matt Murray can stay healthy and be consistent, which obviously sounds stupid, like obviously if he was consistent it would be good, but if he can really, you know, he can, he's proven at least a little bit that he can play at a high level, Um, there's a chance this works out for the Leafs, there really is, but I do agree with Griffin that it doesn't seem like the right risk to take. I feel like you could have pursued Darcy Kemper in free agency, Cam Talbot I know is not Darcy Kemper, but he's another guy that would have been available. The Washington Capitals just let Ilya Samsonov go to free agency. That is a really interesting name uh, to me that they could have considered. But I mean, we know Dubis and his Sioux guys. <laughs> like that's sure. that's yeah. really that might be what this comes down to. Is he knew him? Uh, Sheldon Keefe was was there as well. So I mean, we'll see how this works for the Leafs. I I don't think this is an apocalyptic mistake. I think it's pretty good for the Sens that they only had to retain twenty five percent. But this is going to be a very very interesting project for the Leafs to take on and. And I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I don't know who the Leafs have in mind for their other goalie, but it can't be Eric Chalgren. Like, that is not no. <laughs> good enough. It's got to be someone with NHL experience and someone steady and consistent and preferably cheap now. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their plan is. I'm sure they have some sort of plan that will reveal whether or not Matt Murray is a starting goalie or a 1A, 1B situation, but... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Leafs move forward from this without Jack Campbell going forward. Speaking of which... I was about to say, (laughs) perfect timing, Griffin. Speaking of Toronto Maple Leafs goalies, we are going to jump into our primary segment, which is the return of the extremely popular... Griffin, it's sweeping the nation, quite frankly. That's what I heard. I I walked down the street and I just saw some guy that had a shirt on that said free real estate it's, agency. It's of course the name of the segment is It's Free Real Estate Agency. <laughs> yeah, this guy had a knockoff shirt cuz it didn't have the it's on it. <laughs> yeah. 
you gotta go to hflcpodcast.com for the official merch slash shop uh, yeah slash <laughs> shop use the code hflc you'll get 10 percent on your first order so an additional 10 percent <laughs> um you'll get 25 percent off just like the leafs did on matt murray <laughs> mm, wow. what a bargain <laughs> uh, but Griffin, we are going to talk about a few upcoming NHL free agents. Uh, I believe that when this episode comes out, free agency will probably be starting or about to start uh, quite imminently. So free agency starts on Wednesday, Chris. So hopefully oh, we can right. get this out tomorrow. Okay, so probably tomorrow free agency will be starting uh, for the listeners. And one such free agent, Griffin... It's Jack Campbell. Uh, for those who don't know how this works, we're going to <laughs> select some uh, some new homes for these players. Uh, Jack Campbell, of course, uh, presumably now leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs. Griffin, what kind of home have you picked out for Jackie Tabacky, as I call him? Well, yes, Chris. Let me tell you, I have found a beautiful home for Jackie Tabacky. Not sure where that nickname came from, but uh, I love it, and I'm gonna run with it. Uh, this arena or this home is opening in my browser as we speak. I was not prepared. I introduced this segment and was not prepared to start it. Um, but as we speak, this home. Chris, I think Jack Campbell's going to get a bit of a, a bit of a contract here. I think he's looking at five million dollars. So for him, I've found a four point two million dollar home. Obviously, he'll pay that off over time. He's not just going to devote eighty percent of his first year salary to this house. Uh, but it is a gorgeous uh, walk-in house. I, that's what it says here. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know if there are many houses that aren't walk-in. But it it has been owned by the same family for 50, 50 years and holds countless stories. It's now for sale. Uh, and it is a beautiful, beautiful home. Chris, secluded. Adam, it's got a beautiful garden. I think Jack Campbell strikes me as a gardening type of guy. Uh, like a five bed, five bath. Jack Campbell's also seems like a big family type of guy. He had no personal life section on his Wikipedia page, so I don't know how many children he has. But I'm assuming it's a few, or might be a few one day. And this street is on White Mud Road in Edmonton, Alberta. Mm. What do you guys think of my placement for Jack Campbell? Well, certainly a team that uh, is in need of some goaltending. I don't think that, I think most people probably agree that Mike Smith... uh, well, you know, he had his moments. We did have our discussion of, is Mike Smith good? Uh, I will turn that question to you, Adam. Is Mike Smith good? Um, we have a saying on the Zoopcast. <laughs> we have a saying that is, all goalies are voodoo. Sure. And essentially what that means is goalies, no one knows. They could be good sometimes, and they could be bad on other times, and you don't really know when it's going to happen or how bad or how good it's going to be. Mike Smith is the perfect example of this because sometimes he plays like he's the greatest goalie in the world, and sometimes he skates 20 feet out of his net, gives the puck away, and the team just shoots and scores. Um, I don't think Mike Smith is particularly good most of the time, (laughs) but what I can say is the Edmonton Oilers are a team that is notorious, especially with Ken Holland, for overpaying uh, for goalies. So whatever this... I, I, I do agree with Griffin. I actually think Jack Campbell probably will go to the Oilers. Uh, I'm very excited to see what that contract is going to look like, because I think it will be quite funny. Um, but 
we will see we will see about that but i mean at least he's got a garden so that's good yeah oh and the house looks so nice in the winter time jack campbell strikes me as like a big like winter time frolicking guy as well oh yeah um is that true Oh yeah, I don't know much came, I think. He, oh, I guess, like, oh, he's, he's a golden, like a golden retriever. retriever. Yeah, yeah, sure, there sure, we go. Sure, sure, that sure. was that was unsettling. Okay, it came through for me. Don't worry. Um, I love it, Griffin. I mean, I, I I may have to change one of my answers now that Jack Campbell's in Edmonton. It kind of moves my dominoes around. So, oh no, no, not Chris, very you stick by. Me. No, 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 no. I wouldn't want to do that to you. I wouldn't want to do that to Jack. <laughs> no. uh, but Adam, moving from a I guess you can call him a veteran, Jack Campbell. He's certainly old enough to be considered a veteran. Uh, to a, a true veteran who was most recently with the Florida Panthers, Claude Giroux. Where are we sending Claude and what kind of digs are we uh, putting him <laughs> up in? Well, you know, when we were dividing up the uh, the free agents to do here, I, you know, I saw which ones you guys gave me and I noticed Claude Giroux was on the list. And I was like, oh, this must have been on purpose because, you know, I'm thinking that Claude Giroux, well, it's tough because I think he, he would, you know, he's got a, he's got a wife, he's got a kid. I think he'd want a, a nice place to live, nice, spacious, spacious spot, maybe, maybe secluded, maybe away from everything. Um, I'm thinking a nice $3.5 million house, which will be about half of his contract, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more, but half of his contract on Emerald Links Drive in beautiful, beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, where he will join his hometown Ottawa Senators for a run of unprecedented Stanley Cup success with the Sens. And you know what? You could tell all me want. You could tell me all you want. Oh, Adam, you are fanboying over this so hard, and that might very well be true. But every insider has linked Claude Giroux to the Sens. And I refuse to say that he's not going there until he signs with a different team. So I hope he likes... I mean, also, it's also kind of a misleading thing to give him a house, because I think he actually has a house in Canada already. <laughs> so I don't really mm. think he would buy another one. But Emerald Links Drive, great, great spot, great place to live. It is a great spot, and uh, I don't want to spoil any of my future free agents, but Claude Giroux might have a roommate, uh, because I picked <laughs> out that exact same house. <laughs> It's wow. equal distance to both Canadian Tire Center and Le Breton Flat, so no matter where, no matter how long the contract is. Anyway, I love the fit, Adam. I did indeed give you Claude Giroux on purpose because I think he's going to be an Ottawa Senator as well. I thought that you would like to be the one to announce that to the world here on High Floor, Low Ceiling. And I think the city of Ottawa should be very excited for what the Senators are building here. Uh, I was curious, Adam, about the price point you mentioned. Uh, talking about it being potentially half of Claude Giroux's salary, is that the kind of uh, payday you're expecting for Claude Giroux? Uh, I'm expect- I did a little bit, believe it or not, I did a little bit of research before coming on this podcast. <laughs> I did try to do my, my due diligence to be on such an incredible show. Um, and it seems like what the experts out there are predicting is Claude Giroux sign somewhere around $7 million. And I said, wow. you know what? That's that's pretty high, and you know what? To come to Ottawa, the taxes are higher. It's not a, it's not the not the best weather. Maybe bump it up a little bit. I went seven point five just for fun. Um, so I I you know ideally this is very I mean you know sends bias sure four years or three years at seven point five would be very doable. 
for me as a Sens fan if, if Claude Giroux is coming to my team. Now, I, don't, I honestly don't know if that's too low or too high. I You know, the predicting free agent contracts is hard because some GMs are just so trigger happy and, you know, just blow a bunch on a guy. We've seen some very bad contracts be handed out <laughs> in, in free agency. Um, but something around seven or seven and a half would be what I what I would expect, I'd say. Okay. Griffin, what do you think about that figure? Just because, I mean, I'm almost certainly the least hockey savvy person in this chat, but given Giroux's age, I guess, you know, 34 for a hockey player isn't necessarily 34 for uh, necessarily an athlete in another sport, but that does feel a little steep to me. Griffin, what are you, how do you feel about this uh, 7, 7.5 figure for Claude Giroux? Yeah, there is a lot of wear and tear on a hockey player, I think, as they get up there in age, especially one who's been as good as Claude Giroux. So that's why I do think that that range sort of makes sense, because I could see it being uh, like an almost Max Scherzer type deal where the Senators have cap space right now. So they might be willing to pay a little more right now for a shorter contract. Giroux gets a nice payday for a couple years before he starts thinking about retirement. He plays for his hometown team. And then by the time the Senators are really ready to go out and sign free agents in their prime, that contract comes off the books. So I do like that number. And uh, that's just how maybe how I would be thinking if I were Claude Giroux's agent. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that <laughs> I think that does make sense. And, you know, I, I think that that logic gets used a lot of times. And I do like it a lot of the time to sort of bring in the veteran, maybe overpay. The one I always think about is Paul Millsap when he went to the Denver Nuggets. Like, a guy that maybe doesn't perfectly fit your timeline, but will come in, provide some stability, uh, probably sell some tickets, and teach the kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We will continue discussing some NHL free agents when we return on high floor, low ceiling. And welcome back to high floor low ceiling we are discussing well griffin it's free real estate agency yeah it's another mega episode chris when we did this with the nba a couple weeks ago we had to cut our second segment this time we didn't even bother planning a second segment because we knew hey it's a stacked free agent class in the nhl this mm -hmm. year there's a lot of good players and b we love talking real estate (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) we are we are nothing if not moguls um but we do still have that (laughs) That mysterious second segment from a couple weeks ago that we will definitely be deploying sometime soon, so keep an eye out for that. But for now, we are finding some lovely homes for some lovely NHL free agents. Uh, I have one here for yeah, Johnny Gutro. It is my turn. Uh, the prize of the free can... agent market. Absolutely, I think, the prize of the free agent market. Uh, a very uh, a, a touted player, to be sure. I am going to be putting Johnny, I'm going to be putting him up on 800 McLeod Trail Southeast. This is a building that was built in 1985. In my opinion, it is a lovely piece of postmodern architecture. Uh, It might be a little roomier. We know that Johnny's family is very uh, important to him. He, He has family in the building quite frequently, so I want something a little roomier. This is 800,000 square feet. <laughs> Jesus. And it's not currently for sale, but when it oh. was built, it cost around $97 million. So I think we'll be looking at at least <laughs> in that much. In 1985? In 1985, wow. Griffin, this is the Calgary Municipal Building because <laughs> when Johnny Gaudreau re signs with the Calgary Flames, he's going to be the mayor of Calgary. 
and this is going to be where he will live and do his work. Wait, so you gave uh, him City Hall? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's new City Hall, Griffin. The old City Hall is where the mayor has their office and all these things. The Calgary Municipal Building is where over 200, not 200,000, 2,000 public employees uh, currently work, but I saw those be moved out for pool tables and maybe some foosball because Johnny Gaudreau will be moving in as the the king of Calgary for all intents and purposes. Wow, we've got a stayer, our first uh, our first stayer of its that's, free real estate agency so far. That's a very that's a very hot take too, stayer. A lot of people are saying he's gonna he's gonna go. I mean, he's not he's not staying in Calgary. But oh, Chris, I, have I you put your foot take. in your mouth here? I mean, I don't know. I I think that I I think it's a toss up. It doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like a definite re-sign. It doesn't feel like a definitely walking away. I think this is one of the ones where it could go either way. I just feel like Johnny Gaudreau does genuinely enjoy Calgary. I think he genuinely likes playing for the Flames. I think he can see that they have a pretty solid team and that going to another team like, say, the Philadelphia Flyers, like, it's just, it's, do you want to put yourself in that position, I guess is the question. And, you know, for someone like Kawhi Leonard, for example, when he went back to the Clippers, that was something where he was like, even though this is probably a team downgrade, I'm going to just go ahead and be okay with this. But I feel like Johnny Gaudreau, you know, what do you think, Adam? Because you seem to be uh, more inclined to think that he will be leaving the Flames. I feel like the Flames as a team are in a very, very difficult place right now because sure. they've just gone, they had this incredible regular season and had an unfortunate, early, frustrating exit to their biggest rival, and that will rock any team. And that's after a lot of expectations. Um, mm-hmm. And now you've got Johnny Gaudreau without a contract. You have rumors of Matthew Kachuk maybe getting traded or maybe leaving when his contract is up. Um, you have some bad money invested in guys like Sean Monahan that you preferably would like to get off the books. Um, you know, it, it, they're, they're at a bit of a crossroads. And for a long time, um, the, Cal- the question has been, should the Calgary Flames just tear it down and rebuild? Because they've been like in this spot where they're very mediocre. Like they'll make the playoffs, lose in the first or second round, and then not make the playoffs the next year. And it's a very tough spot for a team to be in because you're not going to get, you're not going to win a cup that way most of the time. Um, so if, Johnny Gaudreau does leave, I think that should set the alarm bells off for full rebuild mode. And mm-hmm. I think it would be the best interest for the Flames to do that because I don't believe they're in a position to be very successful anytime soon unless they do do a full rebuild. Um, so I don't know. I, I actually think it's in the Flames' best interest to let him go, as stupid as that might sound. Um, and also for Johnny Gaudreau, I'm sure he does. like. I'm, I don't doubt that he likes it in Calgary. He's played his whole career there. But we know, we see this with a lot of NHL players that they like to go home <laughs> and they like to, you know, go to that area. And, you know, people are saying maybe maybe it's Philly who are, I mean, I don't think anyone would want to go to the Flyers right now, to be perfectly honest with you. Sure. Um, but maybe you got a team like New Jersey who's on the rise. That's pretty close. Um, and there will be a lot of teams interested in his services, that's for sure. So he'll have a lot of options. Um, and I feel like there's got to be one in there that he might uh, prefer to staying in Calgary. So. It's a lot of speculation, but that uh, that would be how I would back my stance up. Yeah, the Flames are in like this tough, like good but not great position yeah. that I think we find a lot of 
like a lot of teams find themselves in, because obviously only a few can be great. I'm not putting it past Adam that this is all a conspiracy to reunite the Kachuk brothers in Ottawa. <laughs> um, I do think he has an agenda there, but uh, yeah, Gaudreau, that's a tough one. But I think in the so, end, you always got to rely on hockey players to do the most boring thing when you're not true. sure what they're going to do, and that would be going back to the Flames. Very true. And I'll, I'll pose it to you this way, Griffin, in terms of sort of the situation they're in. Don't you feel like if you're in the position of being the Flames management, that you can say, like, well, like, that Edmonton series was a complete fluke. Like, there were a bunch of insane games. Our guys were injured. Like, we weren't really playing our best. And also, like, it was just an insane series where, like, 50 goals got scored. So we can't really look to that as a sign of, like, what our team is. And so you sort of fall back on, we had a really good regular season, we won a playoff series, which is a, a positive thing for us for sure. And then, like, sort of convince yourself that running it back makes sense. Yeah, I think, like, it almost sort of reminds me of the Raptors for those couple years in the DeMar DeRozan days, where it was just sort of the question of, it's like, are you okay to be good, but not great? Because, like, in real life, it's a lot tougher than it is for you or I, Chris, to say, uh, oh yeah, tear it down. It's over. Like that's a tough oh, sell. Griffin hit the mic. Oh yeah, I I don't know why. I guess I just sit too close. But you get too excited. The, f- the further away I sit, the more my head is completely obscured by the mic sure. for you guys the on people, the Zoom. Here. People enjoy it. The the hitting the mic. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, it's a tough sell though. I think in Calgary, if they were to start tearing it down now after what was still a great season, even though it ended so embarrassingly. So. Yeah, I'm all in. Sign Gaudreau, run it back. You never know what might happen, but with Colorado looming there, it's yeah, tough to well, see. It's it's tough. Colorado presents <laughs> issues for a lot of teams, Griffin. Um, let's move on to someone who seems intent on testing the market, Griffin. Uh, someone who, in my opinion, does not feel like a stayer, but that's more of a vibes question. Griffin, Evgeny Malkin, where is he heading and where are we putting him? Yeah, Chris, it's tough. If you had asked me six months ago, it would have been hard to imagine of Kenny Malkin leaving. But, of course, we just got the report a few minutes ago that he is going to test free agency. He's never been a free agent. He wants to see what it's like. Um, and for Evgeny Malkin, I have found him a beautiful townhouse. Personal life section on Wikipedia made no mention. Oh, no, he does have a wife and children. But this is a four-bedroom, five-bath townhouse. It's a little expensive, 7.1 million but um i think that evgeny malkin's done enough it's beautiful it's sleek it's it's very russian in vibe like it feels like the type of thing a russian millionaire would live in which i have heard is what evgeny malkin is so uh i'm going to put him in this luxury apartment 7b and 1289 lexington avenue start spreading the news chris it's in new york new york but just as a side note uh what I like to do when we do this, Chris, is I go to the city on the real estate website, No Free Rides, and I search by uh, most expensive, and then I yeah. try and find a place for them to live. Uh, New York is crazy. I was searching <laughs> Manhattan only. I found this $7.1 million townhouse on the 16th page of results. I, <laughs> New York is not a city designed for a person on a hockey player's salary. <laughs> that's like You're saying that that's like too cheap? Yeah, yeah, they don't make enough to afford luxury high-rises in New York. <laughs> like an NHL superstar. Um, 
So Evgeny Malkin going to the Rangers. Uh, yeah, I should very... clarify. The Rangers, not <laughs> yeah. the Oilers. Yes. Or the <laughs> Islanders. Or the Oilers, for that matter. Yeah, no, that uh, would be a crazy commute. You know, speaking what? of people who are in advanced age, we are, you know, Evgeny Malkin, he will be 36, I believe, by the time uh, he signs his next contract. I do think it makes sense for him to go to a team that's sort of in that wheelhouse and can sort of say that they're at least in contention for a Stanley Cup. Adam, what do you think about this fit? Uh, you know, obviously there's a Russian connection there as well. Uh, is Evgeny Malkin gonna gonna put the Rangers over the top here? Uh, that's definitely the type of player that can that can put a team over the top. That's for sure. And obviously the Russian connection that you're alluding to is with Artemi Panarin who, obviously, very high-profile player with the Rangers. I'm sure they're buds. You think they're buds? Panarin and They gotta Malkin? be buds. Yeah, they gotta Probably be buds. I feel like Shesterkin with hockey players, well. they're always, like, oh, together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that'll be, like, the the nice little Russian friend group over there and the <laughs> with the Rangers. The, the thing that's interesting about that is it's a division rival, which you often... Well, I mean, not often, but you, you don't see it as much. Where had a, team, a playoff opponent last year. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, you maybe you wonder maybe there's some bad blood with some of those guys. Um, that could be an interesting factor. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a it's pretty sudden. Well, maybe not even sudden, but it's still it is strange that Evgeny Malkin is going to play for a different team. Like I I definitely would never have thought about that. So it's almost weird like trying to predict where he's going to go. Like you don't even really know where he's where like where to start with that. Like he'd go anywhere. Yeah, sure, I, any I, team would like I, Evgeny Malkin. I was going through the the list there, and I really could not think of, yeah, because he fits everywhere, but he doesn't have a super specific fit anywhere. Right. So, but I don't know. P- fully speculation. I think he's ready to try a little bit on his own. He's spent his entire career being Scotty Pippen. Like I don't know. I would want to try. I would want to see but, what I can do. But if he goes to the Rangers, is he the Jordan per se? I, yeah, I guess he's sort of like no, the but he's the first one. line center. Isn't yeah, he? I guess that's the the sort of he is being put in that sort of point man position. It's true. Well, he's the he's the first line center, but I don't think he's even one of the top three players on the team. Arguably, mm-hmm. I think uh, you have Panarin, Fox, and Shesterkin, who you could all say are better than well, better. I mean, obviously one of them's a goalie, so it's hard to compare apples to oranges. There, but, but yeah, no, I definitely all three of them yeah. are better than Malkin. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, if you're Evgeny Malkin, you could look at that in a different way and be like, man, that's a good team <laughs> i want to go there i can you know just tear it up with my buddy artemi and maybe <laughs> win a cup on the way and stay in a pretty nice city i'm sure you think he's a broadway guy malkin oh he's yeah i can i can just picture him but he's like he's like a back row broadway guy in like his jacket <laughs> yeah. no tie he's just like sitting yeah. there like coldly observing and then when they finish he just what? does like a curt nod and and exits yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this <laughs> What is this archetype you've invented of the uh, back row Broadway guy who doesn't dis- wear a tie? <laughs> it's a dis... Well, the the not wearing a tie is Malkin more I than the Broadway yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's dispassionate, cold, but still... I guess it's more Famously of like an opera theater vibe. lovers or... <laughs> dispassionate Notoriously dispassionate, yeah. But he appreciates talent. He appreciates high art. Yes, of course. Griffin, do you have any thoughts on... Uh, Leah Michelle being tapped to replace Beanie Feldstein and Funny Girl. I was the uh, talk of Twitter today in my circles. Wow, you run in some fun circles. Uh, <laughs> no, but I did. I did hear about that. I saw it on TikTok. I'm a little bit on Broadway TikTok. Uh, well, follow the podcast on TikTok, by the way. Yeah, please do. I think that's get a mid show plug in. Beanie Feldstein's very 
Good. Uh, I don't know if she can sing, but she's funny I in think the that shows. Is, that is the problem that I've heard, is her singing is not really uh, up to snuff, as we say. But I, I mean, I was surprised that they went with Leah Michelle. I think we all know the, the uh, PR stories that have been mm-hmm. circulating there lately, mm-hmm. but she is an incredible singer. You can't deny that. Yeah, absolutely. Try and deny um, it, Chris. You can't. I shan't, and I can't, and I won't. Um, we need to move on. Yes. <laughs> I, I like the pick, though. Thank I think you. It's, a, it's a very interesting situation. Uh, we're going to move on to someone who is also from Europe, um, is maybe not as high profile as Evgeny Malkin. Some would argue that I had to look this person up on Wikipedia to uh, know who they were. Some but might argue. This is... Some some would say that. Try and not deny it. I don't know what I'm talking about here. Uh, this is a 29-year-old Swedish professional ice hockey defenseman and alternate captain for the Dallas Stars of the National Hockey League. That's just off the top of my head. Uh, John Klingberg, Adam. Uh, I Ostensibly, by the fact that he's on our list, he's a free agent. So tell me, uh, tell me what the skinny is on John Klingberg and where you have him heading. Well, John Klingberg, as you said, is a professional NHL ice hockey defenseman. And he also happens to be the best professional NHL ice hockey defenseman in this free agent class. So he is going to be very highly touted, and a lot of people are going to be wanting to sign John Klingberg, because after John Klingberg, the defensemen are not very good. The next best defenseman is probably Ben Sherratt, which is really unfortunate for that defenseman free agent class. So he's going to be in high demand. And uh, that means he's probably going to get paid a pretty good amount of money. And he's going to have to go to a team that really, really wants him. And when I think of that, I think of teams with not a very good defensive core. And I also think, well, where are we going to put John Klingberg? There's a beautiful, beautiful $4.5 million, six-bedroom, four-bathroom, 8,000-square-feet home on Boylston Avenue, East Seattle, Washington, where Mm. our good friend John Klingberg will be living out his days playing as the number one defenseman for the Seattle Kraken, who lack high-end talent on the back end. And you know what? Prices are high for houses in seattle so <laughs> this place is like not as much of a mansion as i thought it was going to be for 4.5 million dollars but <laughs> you know what i'm sure he'll be okay with living on boylston avenue east in seattle because he will be the number one guy for the kraken and he will get probably over seven million dollars and over five or six years on this contract which is going to be a lot of money for him and he can play with shane wright so that's pretty cool well, i would say no to that Absolutely. Um, Griffin, you know, not to step my hand, but I do have uh, someone heading to the Kraken on my free agency list as well. I think he's uh, the Kraken are sort of being talked about as a possible destination for a lot of players, obviously because they have money to burn, they need talent, all these things. It does seem like, given that they were, they seemed so money conscious and almost penny-pinching at times during the expansion draft, do you think that this is going to be an off-season where we see them shell out for some of these like marquee free agents? Yeah, I feel like the Vegas Golden Knights ruined being an expansion team for everyone else. Expan- like Now there's this unrealis- 
unrealistic expectation. Expansion teams are never supposed to be good. And Vegas somehow broke the code and came out immediately very strong and then fired everyone who helped them do it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that Seattle is sort of living under this impression that they have to go out and pick up a couple marquee players this offseason. They got lucky in the draft with Shane Wright. Uh, and I don't really think that they have to, but I do think that they're going to. And so I do think that that's a solid prediction from you, both well, you and Adam, Chris. I, well, I, what I will say about Seattle is in, you know, I, I agree with your point that Vegas sucks and they really <laughs> ruined it for everybody else <laughs> because, you know, Seattle last year, in my opinion, I mean, in the first week it was like, it's cool. Like, wow, new team, Seattle, great. And then after that, I'd say they were the most irrelevant team in the league. Oh, yeah, you didn't hear about shot. them Nothing once. happened. Like... Nothing happened at all. I, no one was really good. They weren't outrageously bad, but they were pretty bad, and they had no great moments or anything. So I think they are on this quest. They're on this quest to become relevant, and mm-hmm. I think Shane Wright helps them become relevant, and I think John giving John Klinberg probably too much money will also help them become relevant. And I think it's all, you know, they got to get up there. They got to catch Vegas a little bit in the new expansion team relevancy standings. So definitely could see them landing a few guys in free agency. Yeah. And I think one of the kind of scary things, especially being in Seattle, which is not really like, it's not a Las Vegas. It's not somewhere where you can feel sort of confident in having that built in audience there. It's kind of scary to like continually be a bad team for like five years like i think of like the vancouver grizzlies like if you suck and just like continue to suck and have no exciting players and like don't have anything going on for the first few years of expansion franchise like that can literally kill you and so i feel like that is maybe something uh that they want to remedy as soon as possible and at least you know get a playoff series under their belts and then you know maybe if they end up those end up being bad contracts down the line that's something you sort of deal with when the time comes um speaking of seattle to tip my hand a little bit here i'll (laughs) sort of work in reverse here i'm looking at a property in seattle uh it's a little more expensive i think than uh the one that you mentioned adam this is uh at 811 14th avenue east in seattle washington it's going for $5.6 million. The James Moore Mansion, it's called, uh, built around the turn of the 20th century in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, very upscale neighborhood of Seattle, from what uh, my understanding is. This is a seven-bedroom, eight-bathroom operation, 9,700 square feet, for an individual who loves his family. This is someone who... Uh, has just been the recipient of some hardware, and he maybe now would like to make some money, which is why I am bringing Nazem Kadri to the mm. Seattle Kraken, uh, Griffin and Adam. You know, we saw uh, just today the Valerie Nichushkin extension, quite a large extension uh, as well, an eight-year extension, which has maybe signaled the end of Nazem Kadri's time in Colorado, potentially. Uh, so bring him to Seattle here. I mean, there is a question of fit and a question of, is he, you know, where is he going to be playing two years from now, maybe? But uh, we're, we're bringing Nazem Kadri to Seattle. And we're putting some points on the board. What do nice. you think about this move, Adam, to go uh, with your John Klingberg signing? I like this because I think in, you know, when you talk about question of fit, I don't really think it's that important when the whole team sucks. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you fit. If you're better than everyone else on the team, you're, you should probably go to that team. Like, that team's going to watch you. And I think, you know, you talk about how to get players in early expansion to get your fans, like, enticed and excited. Like, Nazem Kadri's a cool story, man. Like, the, like this, the, what he, like, you know, all of everything that happened in the playoffs this year is a very easy guy to cheer for. Um, I think Seattle would totally rally behind him. Like, if, if, if Seattle makes, like, this huge free agent year, like, if they get, like, let's say they get Klingberg, who's the best defenseman on the market, you get Kadri coming off a great year, you just drafted Shane Wright, like, all, the buzz is going to be crazy. Like, it's going to be, I, I'd say it'll be, well, it should be even more buzz than, you know, when they became a team last year because their team was just really bad. <laughs> like, there was not <laughs> much to cheer for there. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I got the money to do it, that's for sure. Bring Nazem Kadri on. I'd be a bit hesitant with term. Um, yeah. Because going long-term there could could bite you uh, a little later. Um, but they, they have, you know, like, like Griffin said with, you know, Ottawa and Giroux, they have the space to give him a lot of money for a shorter term. And I think they should really be using that um, to their advantage, not just for Nazem Kadri, but also uh, other guys that they decide to bring in. Yeah, like I I love your point, Adam. Fit does not matter when your whole team is bad. Right now, the Kraken need talent. They need players. Nazem Kadri's a great talent. He is a great player. I like it a lot. Chris, uh, I was wondering, should we rapid fire these last couple? Uh, that is your call as the official timekeeper of high floor low ceiling. I trust <laughs> your judgment here. Yeah, I think I'm gonna make that call. Uh, so my next player was Evander Kane. And I'm going to do this one a little out of order. He's going to the New Jersey Devils, Chris, a team with cap space to spend. I thought they were going to sign Jack Campbell, but it appears that the Oilers have really leapfrogged them in that front. And they were like very low in terms of goals scored last year. I think that he's going to go there. So first I Googled the New Jersey Devils to see which city in New Jersey they played in. It's Newark. Then I went to the real estate site. Uh, looked up Newark. The most expensive house on the market in Newark <laughs> is $1.1 million. Sure. It is just a normal house. I could not do that to my guy, Evander. It's just a normal house. So I went back to New York. Uh, Evander's going right. to live in Queens nice. in a penthouse apartment mm, at 4.4 million dollars. He's just got to go across the bridge. Um, oh no, sorry. He's in Brooklyn. He's in Brooklyn. Okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there you That's go. a little bit better, I think. Yes. So yeah, it's like half an hour drive to Newark. Uh, and it's also pretty close to LaGuardia in case that arbitration comes through and he has to go back to the shark short notice. Uh, the league dictates <laughs> that his shark's contract was voided illegally. And so, Is yeah, that I, really what will happen if that happens yeah, he but they're not deciding it, the san jose sharks they're not deciding it until after free agency starts so there is a very high chance that he could sign with a team and then the arbitrator could say nope he's a shark and then the sharks would have to trade him probably That's crazy <laughs> see the it, nhl can be cool if you try <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can be cool through incompetence and then my last player uh this was the player who i also found a beautiful 3.9 million dollar home uh, in Ottawa, Ontario, the same one you looked at, Adam. Isn't that a gorgeous home? Oh, beautiful. beautiful it's place. so gorgeous. <laughs> and I hope that Claude Giroux won't mind sharing it with maybe his new winger, uh, Andre Palat. I mm. thought that that was another sort of veteran who fit the Senators' progressing forward timetable. They've got room to spend. 
uh, especially now that they've offloaded Matt Murray. So I think that uh, the Senators are going to make a major play and start pushing for the playoffs because, like Adam said, it's time. It is time. This is true. Palat would be very interesting because no one has linked Andre Palat to the Senators, that's for sure. That's what Um, we do here on High Floor, Low Ceiling. We blaze trails. So if if this ends up happening, you are the you're the first to call it. That's that's your scoop. That's, I might be an accidental insider. There there you go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, it is a, it is a very nice place, and I'm sure. And there are tons of rooms. I, I oh think yeah, Claude there's Drew so many and, bedrooms. Yeah, they Claude could Drew they could fit Pratt, fine. Oh yeah, they'll be all right. They'll never get tired of each other. They can just go to the complete opposite ends of the house. They'll be like a kilometer away and won't barely yeah, hear each other. Yeah, they can carpool if they want, or oh, there's three parking system. spaces, so there's room for both. Exactly. All right, Chris, you had two more free agents on your list. Yes, I have two here. Uh, I have another goalie who figures to be making a fair amount of money who I thought would uh, work well with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but apparently that seems like it is not to be. Darcy Kemper. Uh, and it's a little weirdly kind of hard to find a spot for Kemper, especially as people, as you know, the dominoes seem to be falling in the goalie market and things sort of seem to be shaking themselves out. So I, I actually don't love the fit here, but I'm going to send him to a, a beautiful stone re- residence on Cathedral Avenue Northwest to join the Washington Capitals. Um, you know, the Capitals, an aging team, they Darcy Kemper, kind of an aging goalie, I feel like, you know, if they're giving him, like, a five- or six-year contract, that might come back to bite them down the line. But we'll see what happens there. Um, Adam, do you have any thoughts on Darcy Kemper? Are you sold on Darcy Kemper as a starting goalie on, you know, a team that wants to presumably be competitive for the next couple of years? Well, I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on Darcy Kemper being a very good starting goalie. I think he was the benefactor of an excellent team in Colorado, no doubt about it. Um, there was definitely some shaky moments in there for sure. Um, but I, I think the fit with Washington is actually good because the Capitals traded away Vitek Vanacek, who was a goalie for them and now no longer plays for their team. And they also let Ilya Samsonov go to free agency, who was a goalie for them and now no longer plays for their team. So they have no goalies. <laughs> they are going to need to get goalies because you need goalies to play hockey. And Absolutely. it seems, yes, <laughs> and it seems like Darcy Kemper is... You know, he's probably the best goalie left. You could debate sure. him or Jack Campbell, sure. That's, you know, go heads and tails with that. Um, but, you know, Washington wants to maximize Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I, that's how I would be looking at it. You have this generational legacy player on your team. Um, you want to get him as much success as you possibly can. And if you think Darcy Kemper is the answer if you're Washington, and he probably is compared to the other goalies in free agency, then go for it. I think there's nothing wrong with that fit at all. Yeah. Adam, sure. I do have to warn you, we have a no hot takes policy here on high floor, <laughs> low ceiling. You mm. saying that we need goalies to play hockey, dangerously close to a hot take. So I'm going to give you apologize. Yes, my an bad. HFLC six, warning. Six offensive players, it's true. Um, <laughs> and speaking of guys named Ilya, uh, this is a quick one since we've already talked about this team quite a bit. Uh, but Ilya Mikheyev, uh, he's going. he doesn't want to move too far, Griffin. He's going to stick around in the uh, the Ontario region, oh and he God. is going to head to 224 Roger Road in, wow. once again, Ottawa, Ontario, and he is also going to be a senator. Senators <laughs> are loading up in free agency. <laughs> I'm just glad you uh, didn't find the same house. <laughs> that would have been... 
You know what? Forget Roger Rudd. These three guys. He's, he's joining three, in. The big that's three. Cool. He's joining this uh, this thruple that's building uh, in Ottawa. Adam, I assume you're thrilled at, at getting this wealth of talent in free agency. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Mikheyev is not completely out of the question because uh, Senators head coach DJ Smith, once upon a time, was an assistant in Toronto. Yes, he and was. he loved Ilya Mikheyev. He loves those kind of players who are hard on the forecheck and work super hard all the time, high work ethic. Um, for the right price, I'm sure DJ Smith would love for Ilya Mikheyev to come play for his team again down the road in Ottawa. So, and you know what? They, that that house has enough space for three people. Like they, it can, really they does. Can get that done. Yeah, it's gorgeous. That would be a, a it's great beautiful. idea. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful house. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Senators right. and Kraken winning NHL yeah. free agency mm-hmm. so far. If you go Making by our moves. predictions, Absolutely. but Adam, uh, we're gonna get you to close us out here. We've got a couple more quick hits from you. Yes. So. I do have two more free agents, and the first one is Vincent Trocek, who, I won't lie to you, even as a an avid hockey fan, I cannot say I know too much about Vincent Trocek, sure. um, other than a cool stat is that he was one of four players last year with 50 points and 180 hits, and when you think of hits, the team you usually think of is the Boston Bruins, so before doing any kind of notable research, I was like penciling him in as a perfect Boston Bruins free agency player until I realized that Boston has $2 million in cap space. So that will not be happening. (laughs) Um, The backup plan is a very, very spacious and secluded and isolated mansion for only $1.6 million on Balmoral Drive, Detroit, Michigan, Mm. where... Vincent Trocek will be the probably second-line center for a up-and-coming Detroit Red Wings team who needs a second-line center, and they have a bazillion dollars in cap space, so they can pretty much pay him whatever he wants. Uh, he's coming off a pretty nice year, too, so could be a good fit there. Maybe after a couple of long playoff runs with Carolina, he's probably worn down, wants to go to a team maybe on the rise instead of one that's going to go really, really far each year. So Vincent Trocek in his nice mansion in detroit for a few years doesn't sound too bad to me yeah and i like that it's sort of uh, the red wings are sort of like the sends in my mind where it's like okay it's it's time to start yeah. climbing up again <clears throat> and something i, I just that. learned on wikipedia uh vincent trocek lived in detroit for some time born in what? pittsburgh wow and then moved at age 13 to detroit so uh yeah, he, he's once again he's coming home. He's coming Vincent. home. <laughs> when you think Vincent. Detroit, you think Vincent Trocheck. Exactly. Vincent Detroitcheck. Oh. Sure. Wow. <laughs> that was tough. that's called that a tepid reception. Yeah, uh, that was one more for us, Adam. Another yes. uh, another veteran of the game. Give us your last quick hit here. Uh, yes, David Perron is definitely a veteran of the game, and one cool thing about David Perron is he has actually had three separate stints with the St. Louis Blues. He was drafted by them in 2007, and then after traveling around Edmonton, Pittsburgh, and Anaheim, he came back for one year, and then after going to Vegas for the expansion year, he came back again. So, the way that I'm thinking this is... David Perron, yes, he is a free agent, but he has come back to St. Louis three separate times and has signed four contracts with the St. Louis Blues. He's getting older, he's got a family, he's got kids. I do not think he is going anywhere other than the 2.6 
million dollar mansion <laughs> on Westmoreland Place in St. Louis, where he will be moving in the same city, uh, moving his family to this beautiful home uh, with <laughs> built in 1899, so it's very old, got a nice antique feel to it, and he will stay with the St. Louis Blues, probably to finish out his career. Yeah, the game sort of does fall apart when the free agents stay. Uh, the premise. <laughs> but hey, if you're signing a new contract, yeah, yeah. you can you and can blow some of it on a nice house. Absolutely. And David Perron, you know, he had in in my mind, you know, I think I thought he was very visible in the playoffs. I thought he had an awesome. Doesn't didn't he uh, have a hat trick in one game, as I recall? Uh, he did. Yeah, it sort of flew under the radar because yeah. he was in St. Louis, but he had a great season. He did. Yeah, and he had 13 points in 12 playoff games, which is pretty pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I think uh, you know we'll we'll give him some money, and he can move into his new place in St. Louis. I like this. I'm uh, happy for Adam, him. it was wonderful to have you. Uh, tell the people about where they can follow you, find you, listen to you, etc. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's always a blast to be on the high floor low ceiling podcast uh my twitter handle is at adam copeland that's just my name uh where you can follow me for some very dumb sense jokes and plugging the zoobcast which you can also follow on twitter at zoobcast um we just recorded an episode about four hours ago (laughs) and so that (laughs) should be out relatively soon just discussing the sends how they did at the draft all the prospects that they've gathered up and what some new moves might be for them uh, in free agency. So feel free to check out the Zoobcast. Uh, definitely official partners of High Floor, <laughs> yes. Low Ceiling. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Uh, you can follow us at HFLC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Griffin at GriffinPorter97. Griffin, do you have any uh, announcements about uh, the uh, OUA in Conversation podcast? I heard uh, some rumblings that it might be making a return. Uh, yeah, I believe we're, we're in talks. We're in negotiations <laughs> with Ontario University <laughs> Athletics. Uh, but it looks like in one form or another, OUA in Conversation will be coming back at the start of a school year. Uh, we'll bring more details as I have them, but very excited to get to talk to athletes and tell their stories for another year. Chris, what would you like to plug, since you were so kind, to let Adam and I plug our stuff? I don't know if it's kind. It's a pretty common uh, podcast etiquette. But uh, at any really, rate, you reached into your heart. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at C House and Jan on Twitter. You can listen to Got the Runs with my brother David at Got the... Oh, no, I forgot it again. I always forget it. Got the Runs pod okay yes i i I get confused with the pod and the podcast okay come on um (laughs) i remember it (laughs) okay uh and of course listen to bevy of bevies uh the summer season rolls on we have a great movie themed episode coming up uh, i believe this week so be on the lookout for that uh but until then thank you all for listening please remember to rate review subscribe etc and until next time Keep your floors high and your ceilings low.